Mind, episode 37. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Greetings and welcome back to the Ag State of Mind podcast. I am your host, Jason Meadows, and we are a member of the Global Ag Network. Today, we continue our series featuring beef producers. As I've told everyone, beef is my love language. I, I love I love cows. I love talking cows. I love everything about, about the beef industry, and uh, I, I am always happy to feature um, them on this podcast. And today... Um, my guest is my friend, Tyler Keckley, and I say that with the utmost confidence because Tyler and I have become very good friends over these last couple of months, and it was really great to talk to him about his journey into ranching. Um, we, we talk a little bit about his background. Tyler didn't grow up on a ranch. He is, uh, without a doubt, a first-generation cattleman, and it, it's really, really cool to see what he and his family have done with Southern Roots Ranch. Um, have they have kind of a stalker operation? They have uh, a direct to consumer uh, beef program. Uh, really, just incredible, incredible people. Um, they have an incredible business, and you know I've gotten a lot of ideas for my own cattle business um, from Tyler. And you know we we've shared some uh, some really cool stuff with one another, and uh, really really cool to get him on here. And we talk a lot about a lot about that mindset about. Um, and about getting out there and trying to balance life, trying to balance a, a job outside the ranch, trying to be a father and a husband and all the things, you know, and him and I have a lot that we, uh, we relate to. We're both married to nurses too. So we kind of can commiserate over that sometimes too. So really, really cool to get Tyler on here and uh, really excited for, to continue this, this series on beef producers going forward. So uh, really excited for y'all to hear from Tyler today. All right, Tyler, welcome to the show today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Jason, for bringing me on. Yeah, man. Hey, I, you know, this, I, this is really exciting for me because, you know, a lot of the times I'm talking to people who, you know, somebody that I don't know that well, or I've know, known them just briefly and, you know, reached out to them. But you and I have formed this relationship over the last couple of months. And, uh, you know, I feel like I'm talking to my friend when I talk to you. So this is, this is really a treat for me tonight. Yeah, no, it's, I can, I can vouch it's the same way for, for me as well. It's, I'm not sure why it's that way, but it seemed like pretty quick after, uh, after we kind of connected on social media that we got, I think you even said like in the first two or three text messages, I wish you lived closer. I think we could be yeah, pretty for good sure. Buds. Yeah, no, you're right. Absolutely. So the first time I, the first time I heard you or, you know, knew of you was when I was when I heard you on, on Rob's Rob Sharkey's XM show. I think you and I were actually on that show just right around the same time. So uh, I was, you know, I, I gotten into listen to it pretty consistently at that point. And, you know, just hearing you and you talk about your operation and, you know, what you've got going on with your family and, and the whole deal, it just, you know, it was really interesting to me. And, you know, it felt like I just connected with you and that's why I reached out to you. So uh, go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself, about your, about your background, about your operation. And, you know, we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, certainly. Thanks. 
So um, I guess just a little bit about me. Up until high school or really middle school, I'd moved around quite a bit for my, my parents. They're, they just moved around for jobs or my mom and stepdad. So I kind of grew up in a bunch of different houses, which allowed me to kind of get along with just about everybody. I call Northwest Ohio home. That's where I spent most of my time. I moved here, or my, my family moved here uh, right in the middle of my fifth grade year, right at Y2K, mm-hmm. if everybody remembers that, not to share my age too much. <laughs> But I can remember, you know, folks not worried that their computers wouldn't turn on. And we literally moved that weekend. So that's just what worked. And um, so I've lived here, graduated from high school up here in Northwest Ohio in a town called Wauseon. Um, Did not grow up on a farm. Um, two generations removed from a farm. Kind of kind of got into ag via uh, FFA. Mm-hmm. Um, FFA was kind of where I cut my teeth with mm-hmm. ag. Um, really didn't know where it fit. It just, the community we live in is very rural, very, very ag based. Um, so it just seemed to fit Well, kind of as time progressed, um, my, my girlfriend at the time, who is, who is now my, my lovely bride, mm-hmm. she grew up from a, a farming family, a two generation farm, uh, which has now got the third generation involved. And so I kind of got to deal a little bit more in ag then. And, and I went to college, went to uh, Ohio State University. I'm not one of those ones that has to go out with saying the, that's kind of a hoopla, I think. But um, so I studied ag business. I just enjoyed numbers and enjoyed ag. So it, it felt really good. During college, had the opportunity to go out to Wyoming, uh, central Wyoming, uh, just to the west, the west side of the Bighorn Mountain Range mm-hmm. to a ranch on an internship all summer. And I had no idea what I was getting into, but you know, one thing my mom instilled in me was get outside of your comfort zone and, and it'll stretch you as a person. It'll stretch you as, as a human being and it'll teach you a lot. And what it taught me was I actually have a passion for cattle. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with cattle then and kind of brought that back. Um, now kind of speed things up. We'll skip over a few years. Um, I got married to my high school sweetheart. We've been married for coming on eight years, but been together for over 13 um, we've got three youngins. We've got uh, a four-year-old, four-and-a-half uh, little boy, and then that's McKinnon, and then Hadley Joe. She's going to turn three in a couple months, and then Miss Olivia Grace uh, is six months old. So we've got a booming house now, and we kind of moved back up to Ohio after a short stint in Middle Tennessee, hence kind of a little bit of a draw. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow, somehow caught that bug, and it depends on who I talk to. If I don't talk to anybody from down south, it usually goes away after a little while. Sure. But if I talk to a couple of my buddies, it comes back pretty mm-hmm. thick. And my wife would be like, did you talk to so-and-so <laughs> today? And I'll be like, I certainly did. Why? She goes, because I can hear it. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so when we, when we moved up here, we had a stalker calf operation in Tennessee. Uh, sale barns were plentiful. So it was easy to get a hold of young calves and put them on grass. Um, here in Northwest Ohio, that's not the case. We're predominantly row crop. Mm-hmm. Uh, corn, soybeans, a little bit of wheat, and then confined livestock, whether that be hogs or cattle, um, but confined livestock. And it just wasn't necessarily a passion for Con- me. I confined livestock, like, like feedlots or, or, um, so old, old hip roof barns mm, that, okay. that have cattle in them, if that makes sense. Like oh, it's okay. not the feedlots that you think of open pens right, out right, west. Right. Okay. They're almost everything's under roof. And then we've got, we've got a new push of confined hog operations uh, which confined sounds really bad, but they live in a climate controlled environment. Yeah. Some 12 months out of the mm-hmm. year when it's blowing, when it's zero blowing 20 up here, it's 65 degrees. In yeah. There. Some, some people should be so lucky. 
Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. It is it actually. It sounds bad when you say goodbye. Right. It sounds there's just bad. so many negative connotations oh, wow. with it, and I think that's yeah. that's of no fault of the. I mean, I think that comes more to just media and people making it yeah. a bad thing. But you know, that's nothing you can do about that. So yeah, I, I understand that. You know, even though it is what it is, it's not necessarily a a bad thing. No, no, certainly not. Especially because kind of going into our current operation, we caught a lot of flack. So we bought a, a house and some acres. And then this past year, 2019, we were lucky enough um, and blessed to, to be able to purchase a, a, I call it a ranch. There's probably not many people in the state of Ohio that say they own a ranch, but I grow forage and that forage is consumed by livestock. So I say it's mm -hmm. a ranch. Um, and uh, so we have cows outside on grass, uh, they very, very seldomly ever see in the inside of a barn. If it is, it's because of, you know, an issue with the calf or a cow that needs a little help. But our current operation is uh, a conception to consumption model. Um, so we have a cow calf is our base. Mm -hmm. Carry those calves all the way through to our feedlot. Post feedlot, we sell all of that beef directly to consumers, either uh, carcass size or wholesale sizes. We kind of market it that way or in bundles, which is a new venture for us this year, um, is selling these bundles. Yeah, I think the bundles thing is really taking off hot, especially right now with the way with the way things are going and um, you know, people wanting to purchase meat in smaller quantities and, you know, buying, you know, for maybe a short period of time or maybe their meat interest or meat demand is better at one time than it is another. So I see a lot of people doing these meat bundles things. And I think it's a, I think it's a really wise business thing to do if, if you have the, if you have the capacity and the, the willingness to work at it. Yeah, it's been, um, <clears throat> we've probably sold more of these bundles in the last week than we've, we've tried to pre-sell for the previous four or five months, mm -hmm. which I think is just kind of a, product of the environment. Right. It's, it's probably going to be at the end of this thing. Um, you know, I always try to find the light in the situation. Uh, it'll be a blessing for us because it'll, it'll build our, it'll make our customer acquisition costs a little bit cheaper because we didn't have to go out and buy that via advertising. We, it was kind of brought to us, which will help us in the long run. But um, yeah, we just, I actually pulled a lot of my customers and my social media following, which isn't very big, but um, I just said, Hey, what do you guys want to buy 150 pounds of beef at a time? Or would you rather buy you know, 15 mm -hmm. and 70% said they'd rather buy the smaller quantity and they'd buy it two to three times a year. Mm. Okay. So <clears throat> instead of going into like a CSA where it's going to be more of a subscription, we decided to try this as a bundle kind of one-time purchase transactional just to see if it works. And uh, it does take quite a bit more customers per carcass, which it's probably my frustration. I get frustrated with that so much. It usually takes me three, three people and I get a carcass sold. And now I'm at like 20 to 20. Yeah. Puts a little bit more legwork on you. I'd say. Yeah. I get yeah, that. It, but you know, it's at the end of the day, kind of our mission for our business is to honor God in all we do mm -hmm. provide safe and sustainable beef to the community and build an operation viable to future generations and carry on a Western culture while using modern technology and tactics. With that, our goal is to provide the best eating experience possible. Well, I kind of have to humble myself and say, sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't matter how many customers per carcass I have or what my, my acquisition cost is. Am I, am I doing what my mission is? Am I providing, you know, safe and sustainable beef onto customers plates for their families? That's not just nutritious 
according, of course, it's got to be tasty because we're not going to sell it if it's not. But are, are we providing that exceptional eating experience to our clients? And the answer to that is yes, these bundles do that. They, it's the strangest thing. I, I, I've, talk, I've tried talking to people and I'll buy them a freezer if they can come to me every single year and buy half a steer. I'd buy them the freezer as long as they bought it for me for like five years. Right. And uh, they're like, oh, I don't know about that. But these bundles, I've got people that are like, hey, I'll sign up for a punch card and I'll buy one every month. And, uh, it's just a whole new, a whole new game for us here. Whole new. Yeah. So I want to back up just a little bit and say, you know, what you were just saying actually, and and you made this decision and you know, you, it sounds to me like you have a mission statement, which you just kind of rattled off to me and, and (laughs) you have a set of core values, you know, am I, am I hitting, is that, is that pretty close to home? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 We've got, we're as small of an outfit as we are. We are, uh, we try to, we try to run it like a big mm-hmm. outfit would because as much as I like it to be a hobby, I, it needs to make some money yeah. and to make it money. You've got to, you've got to mentally put it in that space. Right. Um, if you constantly think of something as a hobby, that's what it's always going to be. It's never going to be more than that. But if you can put it into a business category, at least this is my perspective, of course, then you can, you can push it a little bit easier into, it just helps you make decisions. So yes, to answer your question, Yes, we have a mission statement. Yes, we have a business plan that we update constantly because as you know, especially the last three weeks, the environment's changed dramatically and the way we were going to do things coming into this year looks a little different than what what we're probably going to end up doing. But again, that could change That could change tomorrow. I, I mean, you've got to constantly feed this thing and, and push and pull. But yeah, we do. We. Um, I think that first kind of part of our, of our mission statement to honor God and all we do is, is kind of the core value of me as a person and as my family. Um, and that was something that was critical to us is, is that we follow that as our primary focus and, and we let everything else kind of fall as it goes. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I say that because I was actually just talking to somebody about this and when you have a set of core values, whether it be as a business, whether it be as a couple, as a person, as a family, you know, it makes your decisions a lot easier. It makes you, so when you have these set of core values, you are able, when something comes up, like you said, instead of, you know, selling, you know, two to three people per carcass, you know, you're getting much more people, you know, you're, you're selling less meat per person. And, you know, you had to stop and think, it's like, well, does this still serve my set of core values? Does this still fit within my mission statement? And, you know, you were able to decide, yes, pretty quick that it does. So when you have those set of core values, knowing, and, and it goes to being in a business in your personal life, being proactive instead of reactive and not having to make decisions in the moment and hopefully making as many decisions before they, you know, before they need to be made as you can, because that makes that, that is the key to success in business and in life and, and everything I feel like. And, and it feels like you guys have that yeah. very yeah. strongly and rigidly defined. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think I was called out. I, I think, and we'll, we might get into this a little bit later, but you know, one of the things I look at is I try to keep a, a core group of people, kind of an advisory group that I can kind of reach out to and bounce ideas off of and vent to and, and just have that space to kind of freely let that stuff out and uh, also generate some ideas and some accountability. And, and I was talking with the guy the other day at just about this exact topic. And he goes, cause we're, I, I, the business, the economics of these things generally drive a lot of my decision-making just because that's, that's my headspace. That is, kind of where I'm more leaning to. 
But he told me, he goes, well, aren't you providing your mission to more people with these bundles than you would be with carcasses? Because if you're providing safe, sustainable, nutritious beef to 20 families mm-hmm. instead of three, aren't, aren't you having a bigger impact? And you kind of got to sit mm-hmm. back and eat a little crow for a moment and, and just, and just kind of look back and, and try to re-grasp that perspective to say, you know what, you're right. Like, this is doing exactly what my mission says. This is doing exactly what I want to do. Sure. It just looks differently than what I had planned. And I think as you walk through life, you're never guaranteed the, right. the milk and honey moment. Like mm-hmm. you're never guaranteed the glory, right? But you always have the opportunity to find it in the situation. I mean, even like right now, the coronavirus, which I'm not sure when this will, when this will get kind of mm-hmm. put out there, but right now we're right in the middle of it. Um, and there's going to be some good here. I, I can already see, I can already see a lot of good happening, even though there's, there's yeah. horrible things so, that are going on. Yeah. Right? Tell me I about mean, that. How's your, how is your family dealing with it? You know, I feel like every family has their own way of dealing with things like that. So, you know, I know you're working at home right now, currently, how, how is your wife dealing with it and your, your, your kids and, you know, how are you dealing with it as a family? Yeah. So, uh, my wife's a, a oh, you're a married to a nurse, nurse too. Nurse at a local hospital. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like it's it it is. Uh, I think people married to to nurses understand that. People that don't, aren't, don't aren't in that it. space, yeah. they just don't quite get it. But uh, my wife, my wife is a labor and delivery nurse, which that is. Uh, yeah, no way. That is a space I'd never do good in ever. I'd never, I'd never do good in that spot, but she does. So she's actually, um, since we had our, our now almost three-year-old Hadley Joe, um, she's kind of been at home more spending time with these kids. We realized pretty early on that the time that we have with these kids Mm -hmm. when they're young, it will never get back ever. So we made the, we made the very tough decision that we'd go to a, a more of a single income family. So she's been home with the kids and so her being home with the kids really didn't change much with the last couple of weeks. Oh, okay. The only thing that changed was I'm home. I, I got kind of sent home uh, last Thursday, just not quite a week ago um, and told to work from home for my work. And uh, that has been a very unique experience. I've worked from home on and off in my career for the last, oh shoot. Um, I've been there over nine years or almost nine years next week. And um, so I've been working on, Home, from home on and off, but this is very consistent at home every day. And we've had to draw some boundaries, which is good, but we are um, cautiously mm-hmm. optimistic might be a really good way to put that. Cause we're very cautious in what we do. We, you know, we, we preach hand washing and, you know, covering your mouth if you cough. And of course, you know, with kids, we're always, we always got something. So we had some cold bl- blow through the house and even I'm kind of trying on the trail end of this thing, trying to get over a little bit of a cold today but you know, we still, we still have jobs to do. Like my job is deemed essential in the state of Ohio, um, being both in production ag and in the financial realm. I'm an ag lender. Um, and then obviously we, we've got a livestock operation that we have things that are living and breathing and eating and they depend on us to make sure that that's possible. So, um, we are trying to do that, but really the biggest change Mm, for us mm -hmm. is we've changed our budget. Right. Because we usually eat in quite a bit and we, we saw really early on when they decided in the state of Ohio, which it seemed like Ohio was pretty early on. You guys a lot were, of I remember hearing that you guys were very early in this game. Yeah. We shut down restaurants and eat in restaurants. You could carry out and take out, but eating, eating in a restaurant, we shut down pretty early. And my wife and I, we, we talked and we said, Hey, can we eat out three to three to four times a week instead of eating in, which is 
a big pull on a single income household, by the way. And, sure. Uh, yeah. 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 No, I know. I get it. I'm, we are too. So, I mean, I get but we, it. we made that decision because, you know, it's not just about us. So we're smart. We try to be smart about it. Like I went to the grocery store the other day, which obviously everything was like a, you can only buy two of everything if you can find it. But, you know, I left there and I hand, you know, I ran hand sanitizer on my hands when I got in my truck. And when I got home, after I put all the groceries away, washed my hands, you just, you kind of use common sense. We try not to go out of our way. Like our daughter, Olivia Grace had a follow-up appointment with the doctor next week. And we canceled that because we're like, Hey, is it needed? No. Do we have to go? Not right now. Let's wait. Um, so we're just making, making smart decisions. Sure. But other than that, we're doing okay. We're just trying to make sure we can help some other small businesses get through this. But um, shoot, even in the middle of this, like we hauled in, uh, I hauled in steers two weeks ago and I hauled in steers last night for processing and I got customers waiting for this beef now. Yeah. It's an interesting position for somebody like, you know, like you, and we do it to an extent and probably not quite to the way you do it, but you know, we have customers who we custom feed beef to and, um, it's the, I think we're going to see a, a very sharp increase in demand for this type of market um, because of its relative certainty. You know, they know that you are going to be able to feed your cattle. You're going to be able to care for them in a, in a very, you know, a, the way yep. you would normally do it. And they know you and they know everything about it. And they, they, they have a really good idea of where that supply chain is. And, you know, they, they have an uninterrupted path to you. So, I mean, I th really think this, you know, kind of direct to consumer marketing is really going to become very prolific in this time. And, and people are really going to be able to, and, and don't get me wrong, this, this, is, this oh, whole yeah. thing is terrible. The whole, the whole, every, the whole virus, the whole thing that it's doing to our, to our country, to our economy yeah. is devastating. Don't get me wrong. But the, you know, I, I try to find, you know, that's part of this podcast. I try to yep. find the good in a bad situation and to find light, you know, beacons of light like that, um, is the way we're going to survive. And I think, you know, in that, uh, you do it. I have some friends here in Missouri who they are directing consumer everything, not just beef, they're pork, chicken, eggs, you know, the whole, the whole deal. And, um, you know, I think that's really going to, it's really going to shine for them. I think I mentioned earlier, we've had more requests in the last two weeks for not just our bundles, but for carcass sizes that, that we've had. And that this year it's kind of, it's actually kind of bit us in the rear end. Cause you know, we only harvest so many animals a year. And uh, we do that. We've got to plan that out. Like last year we had our cow herd has grown since we bought this new property, which still isn't very big, but we had to buy some cows. Well, we had to buy some feeder calves. Well, I'm not just going to go out and buy a 1200 pound, you know, steer just to try to get them harvested for a customer. So um, we pre-sell, you know, 90 plus percent of our animals. And that's usually pre-sold at least 90 days in advance. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, a lot of this stuff was pre-sold from last year. Like right. Yeah. Said, hey, I just picked up more beef. Go ahead and put me down for next year, which is, you know, we probably have five to six head of steers a year that are just that. Mm -hmm. Like they're basically pre-sold to existing customers. Yeah. So it put us in a really weird spot. Like even last night, I got a message on Instagram. Hey, this is where we're at. We live down the road. So-and-so gave us your contact info. Do you have any beef available? And I'm like, I'm, I'm out. Like, yeah. I'm, I've got some bundles left over, but they were wanting like vast quantity. And so then luckily, 
um, I've actually built a pretty good network of folks. So I was like, I start reaching out to buddies of mine that are close enough. I'm like, Hey, you got some beef that's going in the next you know couple months that you maybe help them out. And of course we're all in this together. I think that's one thing I've been seeing is, is we're in this together and, and ag is no different. Ag has really never been that different. I mean, I was on a trip this time last year, we went out to Nebraska to haul some hay um, with all the stuff mm-hmm. they went through. I mean, yeah. ag joined together, right? Mm-hmm. Fires out West, everybody just throws in and does what we can. So I was able to send a customer to go get beef from a, a good friend of mine. And he's like, you sure you don't want to buy it for me? And then you can sell it to them. And I'm like, I don't really care. Like if you can take care of it, take care of it. Trust me, it's still a win for me, whether I get it. Sure. Because, you know, I mean, a lot of what this business is, is forming relationships. You know, I mean, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people tend to focus it's on, you know, on the animals and on, you know, caring for them. And that is a big part of it. But to me, the bigger part is the relationships you form because of these, of these animals and because of the product. Um, That's, that's what's, that's what I enjoy about the ag community is, is the ag people because I love them. You know, I, there's a certain um, camaraderie there that you just can't find anywhere else. And, you know, just kind of, you just, you just get one another and uh, you know, that's great. That's great that, you know, you have that, you know, really strong. Cause I mean, it, it could be very easy to see that, you know, almost that person as a, as a competitor, but, but yeah. instead you choose to see, you know, you're in it together, you know, you guys, you know, there's plenty and it's a part of, and I talk about this a lot is it's a part of having a, a, a an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset, a scarcity. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even allow that person to be your friend. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't have one, yeah. you know, you're in, you're in constant competition. So, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to give him anything that, you know, you, that, that could help him. And oh, very true. yeah, very but true. you know, in reality, there's a lot of people that want, we, we want everyone as many people as we can to eat beef. And, you know, as, as much as you'd like to, you can't feed everyone around. So, I mean, there's yep. plenty of, there's plenty of mouths to feed and, you know, just having that community together and it, it, it allows for things like that, that happen, you know, somebody, you know, just, you're kind of sharing, you're sharing resources, sharing, sharing customers, if you will, I guess. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Now I'm not saying I don't get upset when a local producer to me, he, he came out with a, I've been working on it, kind of trying to jump into the grass finish Mm -hmm. business. And uh, he came out the other day and he, he told me, he goes, Hey, I just want to let you know, this can get announced that I'm starting a grass finish business with our processor, which is the same processor I use. And I sat there and I bit my tongue as hard as I could. I'm like, well, congrats, man. That's a great business model. I'm super excited for you. So happy. And I left there and I was, dad, gum mm-hmm. it. Like I was, I mean, I was so close to pulling the trigger on that, that, um, you know, and, and we can, we'll probably walk into this. I mean, part of being a first generation rancher, which I mm-hmm. am, um, kind of brings some, it brings some weight with right. it. And, uh, wow. You were like getting right into, yeah, I didn't even have to you do the segue. Look at you, man. <laughs> I can stay, I can stay on our operations so much, man. It's, it, I think this is, it really is a good segue. Cause I mean, I sit back and as much as I want him to succeed, I want to succeed as well. And, and part of my issue with like, let's use that grass finished for an example is, you know, I was worried. I didn't want to jump in it without having to, having it kind of pre-sold cause I don't want to invest, you know, really for me, it would be darn near four years of time. Sure. Into a right. Because I'm that, that I think that might be some of the difference in like a traditional feedlot, right? They've, they're going to have cattle on feed, you know, up here we feed a lot of hosting. So they're on feed for, you know, 12 to 14 months. Well, I mean, shoot my, I'm making decisions on a breeding decision 
I carry that calf in utero for nine months, carry that calf on the mom for six months, put that thing on a feedlot for six or seven months. I'm, I'm two years into this thing without even seeing a paycheck. Right. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. And then if I want to grass finish it, I got to add another six to seven right, months. Exactly. On top and of I, that. So I think that's what people, I'm yeah. Like, I'm sitting here kind of shaking in my boots. So I've, I actually sat on that for a while and I was like, I'm just not going to do it because I'm, if I've got a customer that wants it, I'll do it. And I've got to have a customer that wants a whole carcass because then I can run two of them because I think in two years I could sell the other one pretty easy. So I just sat back and never did it because I never had anybody really that interested in buying a whole carcass of grass finished beef. And so I just sat back. Well, now he's doing it. They announced it all just over a month or so ago. And, uh, but yeah, I, I am pro ag. I'm pro direct to consumer. I will help out anybody in the area that's doing the same thing I'm doing or somebody else that's not here. I'll help them out. Cause you know, we're not doing it perfect. We're not very big, but um, we've learned a lot. But I, uh, I'm also pretty upset because I'm, I'm still competitive. I still sure, want to win. Course. I still got to pay my fee. Right, right. So of course. I yeah. got a farm mortgage I got to cover too. But yeah, I think uh, being a first generation rancher, I think does bring, bring some weight to decision making and everyday life for me that I think is maybe a little more unique to some. I know there's a lot of people that come from multiple generation operations, whether that be a farmer ranch that, uh, they, they struggle, right? I, I, I know of, I know of several that are struggling with that transition and they're like, man, I wish I had it your way. Like, I wish I was first. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have anybody ahead of me to hold me back or to push me in a certain way. And, um, you know, I think it's easy for us to look and say, well, the grass is always greener on the other side of that fence, but we all learn eventually that that grass needs to either get mowed or hayed or grazed or sprayed some way, some fashion. So yeah, no, it's it's an interesting dynamic I for me because I don't know a whole lot of first generation people. Um, you know, I didn't go to ag school. Um, so I mean, I think a lot of people like you did, like you said, you know, you kind of got got the bug, you know, in FFA and then you went to school, you went yep. to ag school too. So I mean, you kind of had your fire lit by that. The people that I know around, you know, that are my friends that I grew up with we, you know, we are at, at the, at the minimum second generation. Um, so it, it's a, it, it's a totally different dynamic. And I have to say it comes with its own set of challenges. Like for instance, in this environment, the, the startup costs are, are unbelievable. And, you know, and like in your situation, I mean, ground can't be cheap up there. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, and, you know, so you've got that to deal with. And, you know, like I said, any kind of infrastructure or equipment or anything like that. And so financially, it's, 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 a, it's a big undertaking. It's very hard to expand, I'm sure, um, with, without yeah. taking some sort of financial risk, which then would put increased stress on your family and yourself. And, you know, so, I mean, there's a very fine line to, to, to kind of toe there. And, but at the same time, I almost wish sometimes I didn't have the challenges I have as a person who's, um, I'm third generation, second on, you know, where we live now, but as far as, you know, in modern agriculture, third generation, you know, there's a lot of outside pressure coming in that if I didn't, if I was totally clear of that 
I wouldn't have to deal with. So, I mean, each situation has its own unique sets of challenges. And I think that's what people have to realize is, you know, we always, like you said, the grass is always greener and we can always sit back and say, oh man, if I had it like Tyler, man, man, things would be so much easier for me. But in reality, they're just a different set of problems. Yep. Yeah, totally agree. And, and you're right. I mean, I think like up here, probably the biggest stress I have is, or the biggest two, the main one is economics or financial. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just because it is a capital intensive business. I am in, in some areas you might be able to custom graze some cows or some cattle and, and make, make that work. Well, we just don't have that many cattle that people want to graze. Mm-hmm. Um, that and, we're, we're living in an area that, you know, they've been spending decades ripping out fence rows. Right. Yeah. And here I am trying to put fence rows in, yeah. you know, and, and that is, um, it, part of, I guess you've got to find your, your spark or maybe some fuel along the way. Right. Cause you can have a passion that is kind of that underlying igniter, but every once in a while you got to find that little spark that keeps you moving forward. And, you know, I can remember, uh, <laughs> Somebody once told me, I won't disclose who it was, but somebody once told me that being a first generation farmer or rancher was impossible. <laughs> it wasn't even like there was a glimmer of hope. It was just straight up. It's never going to work, period. Mm-hmm. So part of me kind of likes that because then, you know, when I when I sell a bundle, I, I can I can hold my head up and say, yeah, you're right. It's never going to work. Here I mm-hmm. am. Here I am. But then the same on the same foot, you know, or on maybe on the other foot is, you know, the financial stress of trying to get a ranch up and running because you can't, you can't rent it. I can't go out and rent pasture ground up right. here because there's, there's just no pasture ground sure. to rent. I can't custom graze cattle because there's really no cattle to custom graze. Uh, there's, there is some opportunities, which we're building. We're building that up, that market up here actually, or maybe we should, I should say we're trying to build that market because at the end of the day, we want this thing to make money. So we gotta, we gotta try something new and we gotta be willing to get outside of our comfort zone. Here we go again. To, and you got to be able to risk it, right? I think one of my big fears in my operation and in my life would be a fair, a fear of failure, mm-hmm. which I think was probably fair to sure. a lot of people. And um, I think for you, like you're, you're sitting third generation and uh, if you were handed the reins all at once saying, Hey, here, take care of all these cows in this, all this country, you'd have a fear of failure as of well. Yep. Right. You don't want to let down the previous two generations. Sure for what they built up, you don't want to let it go. And me, I'm, I don't have those previous generations, but I, I'm sitting here and I don't want to fail because there's, um, we got enough uphill battles that I, I just don't want to, I don't want to fail my family. I don't want to fail me. I don't want to fail my community. I don't want to fail those that support me, which would be no different than, than a second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth generation, you know, farmer ranch out there or any business at that. Right. And um, so that fear of failure I think sets us up and and I've really had to boil that down over the years on really what is failure. Cause if I'm going to fear it, I better know exactly what it is that I fear. And I've, I've learned that my failure is the inability to me for me to start something mm. that is failure. So fear yeah. of failure means the fear to fail to start. If that makes no, sense. No, it hundred percent makes sense because. So like, if you're like, for me, my wife and I, we, uh, we experienced a miscarriage a couple years ago, which I wouldn't wish on anybody, but it happens to a lot of folks. And, and 
that is a whole whole other ball of wax I could spend a whole day talking about. And uh, but we decided to run a, a, a remembrance five uh, k, mm-hmm. which we've never met in person, Jason. But I'm not built like a long mm-hmm. distance runner. Mm-hmm. I was a sprinter in high school and I was not very good at it. <laughs> but my wife said, "Let's do this." I said, "I'm I'm I'm here. Let's do this." So the to me the the fear was, well, what if I don't finish? What if I like get to like mile marker two or two and a half and, and I'm dogging and, and I can't, can't do this remembrance race, you know, for the child that we lost. Like why can't, and, and for, you know, other people's loss, like why, what if I can't do that? And so to me, just start running, man, just don't ever give up and don't ever give up and just keep digging and clawing and fighting. And by golly, I, I, I wasn't top three in my age group, which was kind of my goal. <laughs> I was number four. But that gummit, I finished sure. that son of a gun with a sprint, which I was pretty happy about. Um, but again, I mean, I think it just boils down to, to me, that fear, very deep is that fear to fail to start. Yeah, and so you just got to always start. You got to step into it. And like you mentioned, like the capital investment in agriculture is, is tremendous, especially if you're not in the right area, if you're trying to make it, uh, make a go of it somewhere else. I think uh, Northwest Ohio offers a lot of positives to our operation. Um, we got a plentiful amount of feed from a grain standpoint. We are traditional finishing cattle. Uh, at least the vast majority of our cattle are traditionally finished with grain. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we get 40 generally on average the last couple of years, probably a little out of whack, but we generally get over, you know, 40 inches of rain a year, mm-hmm. which, so we, we can grow some stinking right. grass, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? So what? Uh, my operation, I'm just utilizing kind of the resources we have here, which I think do cater to a business business model like we have pretty well. But, you know, when this ranch that we bought last year came up, um, the fear of not meeting that note payment. Yeah. And calling, you know, telling my wife, hey, I'm going to have to pull some money out of our savings or out of our retirement savings to make this payment scares the living daylights yeah. out of me. But that also is the fuel that allows me to keep pushing harder and to try new things like, this year we're actually going to most likely custom graze some stalker cattle for a local feedlot that buy colored cattle out of down South. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to, to me, it makes it, it makes my farm payment for three months of the year. So that's three months. I don't have a farm payment. Okay. I'm good sure. with that. I can, I can work on that. Cause at the end of the day, it's got to, we've got to, we've got to step into that space and you know, it's, and then even that, right. The fear of failure. What if this guy trusts me with his cattle and, you know, five or six of them die. You know, what if I have a 10% death loss? Like, what's that going to look like? Well, you know what? Let's deal with that. Sure. You know, and that's a big thing. Like we tend to, and I do this a hundred percent. You talk to my wife, we, uh, she likes to call it borrowing trouble. Um, we, we, you, you know, you look for problems before they're even there, you know, and that's a big, like, and it goes back to what you're saying, the fear of getting started and all these things that could happen. Well, then I'm not going to start because this could happen. Well, you're never, if you wait for things to be perfect, you're never going to start ever, you know? And you know, that is that, that like saying that that's been kind of a mantra for me over the last probably year. And, you know, it's, gotten me out of my way so many times and you know being able to for this to start this podcast for once you know I mean there's there's a lot of things that have went wrong with it and there's a lot of things that could be better but it's a lot better than it would have been if I wouldn't have started at all you know and you know and that's you know your operation is no different and 
you know, I'm sure there's a million things you would like to be doing better. Wouldn't we all, but oh, you yeah. know, but you're doing the best you can. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're able to make your payments. You're able to yep. have a happy family and a happy wife and, or as much as, as much as you can anyway, but, you know, and, and, you know, you're able to serve your God and what else yeah. is there in this life? And you and I, I feel like are very similar. We have very similar values. We have very similar lives. I feel like, um, and we get these kind of, you know, we wanted, we want everything to be great right now. And, um, we want to, you know, we want to have these massive pristine operations and everything be, you know, just perfect. But yep. we have to, sometimes we have to stop and realize you know, things are pretty doggone good right now. And we're, yep. we're doing better than most um, in, in our lives. And I think, I think if a lot of people can, you know, sit down and it goes back to gratitude. It goes back to realizing what we have and how great things are for us compared to, you know, when, what they could be or what they, you know, would have been if we wouldn't have done something. And, you know, I think it's all, life is all about perspective. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. It's, I, I was talking with some individuals, I think it was last week and we were talking about like, you know, what's, what's one of the strengths that I bring to like a project? I said, well, you know, I think one of the abilities is you gotta be able to see, you gotta see both sides of the fence or both sides of the desk. And that example is both sides of the desk, me being a loan officer for an ag lender and a client on the excuse me, on the other side, you got to be able to sit on both sides of it and know exactly what you're going to communicate and how you're going to communicate it, which, you know, at the end of the day, I think uh, agriculture, as much as we want to be a production type business, which is very true, right? I'm not saying we're not sure. production. Um, we're people business. Yep. And yep. Um, if we, and you, you kind of hinted on this earlier with our business model is, is not just selling beef. We're selling, we're selling a relationship. Right. We're selling a yep. And when people can trust others and can trust, you know, like let's say my family to raise beef for them and their family, you know, it, it's more than just a customer that I can ship something to across the, you know, across the country. Um, generally all of my customers are, I would say either within that first circle of mine. So they are friends or families of me, or they're in the second circle of their friends of my mm -hmm. friends or friends of my family. Mm -hmm. When that's, when you're selling to those people, I've had it when they say, Hey man, this, this just didn't taste right. Like some, this was not as good as it was, what it was last year or two years ago. If you sold, to, if I sold to somebody on the other side of the country, I might not ever you would, hear. Right. It. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But sitting real close to them, you get a pretty good vibe of, of what's shaking pretty yeah, quick. Um, yeah. That is the ad community in general. I think space sometimes like I sell quite a bit of beef down to, into the state of Tennessee, which is where my mom and stepdad live now. And, I've got some family down there still. So we still sell some beef down there and it make it, it might take a little slower to get a response back on if, uh, if that beef was good or if it was what I can improve. But I think agriculture is no different than a lot of businesses is, is where a relationship based business, you know, even in the commodities spectrum, you know, you're selling grain to an elevator. Do you have a good relationship with that elevator? Do you have a good relationship with the guy that's running the scale house? Cause I can promise you if you're running late and they're fixing to close at eight o'clock at night and it's seven fifty, and you're 15 minutes away. If you don't have a good relationship, he's going to say, sorry, we're yep. closing at eight. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you've built that rapport, you know, he'd be like, yeah, man, I'll stay for you. Eight. I'll stay for you for five minutes. Well, 
a lot of people might see that as an economic, you know, you're trying to wedge yourself in for economic gain. And, and really, you know, like for me and um, from what you and I've talked, you know, kind of what probably your viewpoint is, if we can help somebody else, that's great. If it turns around and eventually catches up to us, I'm perfectly fine with that, but that is not the intention. Right. Yeah. The intention is how do I help somebody else step yep. ahead? Yep. A hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree with that. And I just feel like, you know, having those relationships is, is what is, you know, kind of the, kind of the oil that makes the gears turn, you know, it, it, you know, it's, it's not the end product, but it's everything else in between. You know, and that's yeah. what it's, that's what gets it from, you know, that's what gets it from point A to point B is, is that relationship and forming that relationship with other folks. And it, well, <clears throat> I think, I mean, it's, it's totally accurate. I was kind of sitting here thinking, I, I think uh, it doesn't probably matter if you're first generation or not, but I think one of my big struggles is kind of right in line with that is I, I feel like I wear a lot of hats, mm-hmm. you know, just, and I, I think, you know, I'm trying to be, you know, a, a Christ following man, a, a man that leads this house the way that Christ would lead his church, um, which means I've got to be a, a husband and a father. Uh, I've got a full-time career. I, I, I want to be known as a great cattle, you know, good, good stockman. Um, and then obviously I want to be a leader and, and I'm, I'm already invested in a lot of different areas is, you know, with youth group and small groups and local cattlemen's and farm bureau. And I could go on and on and on, but, you know, I, I think, that balance of home life, me time, ranch work. I've got a full-time job, which I used to really think there's a stigma Mm -hmm. that if you worked off the farm, that means you were not, you were not sufficient to call yourself, you know, a farmer or a rancher. Like you couldn't do it. Like you just, you couldn't ever really get the gumption to say, man, I'm super proud. I work off the farm. Like you get real timid and, and kind of sheepish, but you had a podcast. I can't think of the feller's name off the top of my head, but you had a podcast with the guy that you guys talked ben, about this. Ben Gotchel. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. You guys had this conversation and, and it, it just, it changed my perspective. I was like, wait a minute, what an opportunity I have. Yeah. Because now I, I, yes, does it secure myself financially to be able to do these things? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a cross benefit, but look how many different spectrums and perspectives I can gain by, by being plugged into two different areas at the same time. Right. Yeah. Um, yes. It is like anything else. There's sacrifice. I can tell you when we first bought this ranch, um, I spent a lot of time up there last summer and I'm pretty sure my wife who was pregnant at the time, she would probably wish we would have sold it a couple times last summer already. <laughs> just cause I was up there a lot trying to get everything prepped and ready to get cattle moved up there or just getting it kind of where the flow would work well. Um, so that balance is a constant strive and you and I've hinted around this kind of in text and social media back and forth on how do we find or strive for this balance. And man, it is, it's not even day to day. It's, it's minute to Mm -hmm. minute. It's hour to hour, but you kind of got to look through it. And I've always tried to say, okay, like yesterday, for example, I had to, our, our office staff was short staff. So I had to go in the office, which supposed to be working from home, but I went to the office to help them out. So I worked from the office all day, but I knew I had to haul feeder calves up to a, a farm that we rent that's 30 minutes away from our ranch to haul some calves up there. And then had to go back to the ranch to pick up fat steers and haul them to the processor 20 minutes away. Nothing got us close to home. Like everything kept us away. Right. And I was like, man, I'm going to be gone all day. And then I got to roll and do all this stuff. I won't get home till you know, nine or 10 at night. And it's just going to be a, 
I'll lose all of this time with my family. So I got home from work and I said, Hey, why don't you guys roll mm -hmm. with me? And, and for the last, really for the last two weeks, since kind of everything's somewhat shut down up here, they've pretty well gone with me, do everything. We go up to do chores and, you know, I'll start to the tractor to go feed cows. My wife will go out and check cows while I'm doing that, or she'll start feeding her steers or, you know, the kids are always involved and um, it's just a constant strive and it's never, it's never equal. The balance is never perfect. You're always wishing you could do something more or better. Um, but I think for me in my operation, working through that balance is the daily grind, trying to figure out what is today hold? What is tomorrow hold? How do I balance what I need to do tomorrow with today? Like this weekend, we're going to have, you know, the steer that we kept back for our bundles we'll have available this week. So I've got like 10 deliveries to make. And, uh, so I know that's going to take up all day Saturday. Well, what do I, what can I do, you know, tomorrow and Friday and maybe even later into the next week that I can offset that time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're constantly trying. I mean, I think you told me you're an hour away from your work, like your house to your, your work's an hour. Half hour. Well, but a half hour. So it's an hour, hour round, round trip. trip. Yeah. 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 Either, even way, I mean, that's an hour. Right. I mean, that's an hour a day that's, that's gone. Now, yes, you might need some alone time and that might be where you get it, but that's an right. hour. We're, there's one thing that, that is the same for every single human being on this earth. We're all given 24, 24 hours, a day. hours a day. Yes, sir. Yeah. Period. And, um, it doesn't matter if you're the president of the United States or if you're a little old me running, you know, 10, 15 mama cows trying to sell some beef to some people. You, you got 24 hours in a day. How do you use it? The best is, is up to you. And, and that's just the way we kind of roll. And it's a constant push and pull. And really what I try to do is blend it all. Yeah. hundred percent. Yep. You try to, you know, like last night, Hey, come on wife and kids. Let's roll with me in the truck. And luckily we've got a crew cab truck that we can fit five adult or five people in, which it's pretty much all that truck mm -hmm. will hold with all, as you know, when it comes cabin season, your truck fills up with all kinds. Yeah. I don't even know <laughs> what half the stuff in my truck is and it's in there. And, um, but regardless, we just load up and we haul out. But then, you know, like right now, you know, I'm pretty involved with our youth group at church and my seventh grade boys are, they've been at home for, uh, 10 days now. And like we were planning on doing all kinds of stuff. And now we're like, we don't know if they're gonna go back to school, but we can't pull them out of their home. Right. Their parents are like, Hey, Tyler said he's got some project at the ranch. You can go outside and go get busy. They're like, well, we were told not just kind of shelter in place. If you don't have to get out, don't get out. And that is not a have to go get out. I'm like, dad, dad, gum it. Like, can we not, can we not work through this stuff? But I mean, I think that is the aspect of life, whether we're in ag or not is, working through that even flow of every day where, you know, you might be going through your day and then at three o'clock you're getting ready to clock out and something pops up that draws you somewhere else. Like you might say, Hey, I'm going to go home, get the wife and kids and then we're going to go to the farm and check cattle. Well, you might get a call that says, Hey, you got a cow that's sitting on this fence row. That's got, you know, a foot hanging mm -hmm. out of her and a tongue. Well, you're not going home to get the wife right. and kids. Yeah. In. yeah. Like, not. And we've got to just, constantly work through that and um for me and my wife it's we just try to stay in open communication and we walk through try to walk through schedules but we know something's going on always but you know we've gone through some trials and those trials kind of fortify excuse me fortify those bridges when you need to cross those streams uh, those trials really get you yeah there. no 100 percent. i i totally agree 
Well, Tyler, I want to be respectful of your time here tonight, man. But uh, I really appreciated getting to talk to you like this. It feel, I mean, we've talked on the phone a couple of times, but I mean, I felt like it was really, I mean, so meaningful tonight to really like get to know you for you tonight and, you know, get to know some of your, you know, personal struggles and some things that, you know, you think about and, you know, and I think that's important for people, for guys to, to be able to do and something, and it's refreshing for me from time, you know, I, I enjoy talking to everyone on this podcast a hundred percent, but it's really refreshing to, to get another man on here who is a father who uh, has a job that's outside of agriculture as well. And, you know, as a Christ follower, like I am, and, you know, it, it's really refreshing to get to talk to somebody so much like me and understand that you are going through some of the same struggles that I am and you, your, you know, thoughts take you places very similar there to where I go. So, you know, thanks for doing that and being on here and being a resource for me and, you know, being a friend to me. And, you know, that means it means the world to me. Yeah, man, I can't, uh, I can't reciprocate that enough. It's so true for me as well. I mean, like even right before this call, you know, we, my wife and I, we lost, uh, we lost a calf Saturday night on a first calf heifer. And, uh, that's the first calf in, in five years that we've lost that was born alive that we fought for that died. Mm. And, um, man, just, uh, it, it's not like you, you, you didn't like com- over the phone, give me a hug, but you're like, Hey man, like you kind of, you, you didn't necessarily normalize. We're like, Hey man, I've gone through yeah. that. And yeah. this is, and I just went through it. Like you went through it two weeks ahead mm-hmm. of me. Like it just, and, and, and just even you, me hearing you say that. And then even today on my, my social media, I kind of even hinted that it, it really bugs me that that calf, you know, I lost and I carry a lot of that burden on my shoulders that, 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 that calf didn't survive because of me. And that it's probably not true. Um, you raise cattle or livestock in general, you're going to deal with this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think almost every, every stockman I know, they take this stuff pretty personal regardless, but I bring that to say, I I appreciate, you know, the same things you said. I appreciate not just, not just the opportunity to be on this podcast. I think I've listened to it since you've kind of reached out to me and I, I was like, Ooh, you know, if, if he's going to reach out to me, I better start listening to what he's got going on. And I, I've binge listened, uh, your episodes and man, I just appreciate, it. I think you're doing, you're, you're shedding a light on a, a subject in ag that I think a lot of people look over and, and even me, I've, I've tried to bury my own stuff so that people, not that people have this perspective of me that I've always got it going on, but cause I just don't think that's what they want right. to see. And, uh, I, I was, your podcast that you released, it might've been Monday. And, uh, the gal said that, you know, when, when you're actually struggling, that's when you actually need to do that the most. So I, I fought it for, I don't know if that was Monday. So I fought it for three days now. And I finally kind of mentioned, Hey, it's really bugging me that I lost this calf. That's the first time we mentioned it really, really mentioned it on social media. And, uh, I, I appreciate your, your support and your support ag, not just to me as a friend, but your support to ag. I think, I think you're going to do great things and you're going to help a lot of people, whether they say yet, thank you or not. I, I, I want you to know that, that you, you're a blessing to a lot of people. Well, I, I appreciate that, man. And I, 
it it means a lot coming from somebody like you, you know, somebody that means a lot to me. So uh, it's, you know, this has been, this has been, this has been a lot of fun for me. Um, But to know that I'm, I'm actually helping people. That's what keeps it going. That's what, you know, there are days where I absolutely feel like, you know, not, not burdened by it, but like, you know, sometimes it feels like a chore to do some of the, not the, not the conversations, but the remedial things, the editing and the posting on social media, but like to hear things like that, you know, that's what keeps me going is, is to know that I have the chance to help somebody and that, that keeps it going. And I appreciate, you know, you giving me the kind words. I appreciate all the kind words from everyone who, who reaches out to me. And, um, you know, I, if I mean something to you, I'll never get sick of hearing it. So, <laughs> well, I do so. appreciate it, man. It's been, it's been so weird. I, I, this social media game is real new to me. We've just been kind of mm-hmm. really venturing into the last, last, maybe not even the full year. And, uh, it's crazy relationships. Like I think social media can be a real big, real big hurdle to a lot of people, but there's also some opportunities for it. I mean, like you and I, we would have never connected if it really wasn't sure. Right. Uh, that's how we got click together with social media. So um, it's just weird how this world, you know, can kind of work its way around and how God intertwines life into his mission, right? Like you and I would have never met if it wasn't for social media, which I know a lot of people that would like to bury social media in the dirt. And I wouldn't, I'd be second in line some days. And uh, right. No, man, it's just been, it's been super fun. I've, I've enjoyed the night and and, um, man, I just, I wish the best to everybody out there. I think uh, if they have any questions, man, they can, you can link all my stuff or, or find me. Yeah. And what, what is your, it's what's your ranch name? What uh, we're is it? Southern roots ranch is our ranch name. Right. We're there on Facebook and Instagram. I was on Twitter for a while and I just kind of lost the luster for that. So I haven't been on that. Yeah. But Instagram, Twitter's our a, main hub. Twitter's a rough. Yeah. Okay. Instagram's yeah. I like Instagram too. Yeah. And uh, I'll probably get back on Twitter eventually, maybe. But I, we've got some things in the works that we're going to try to maybe push out this year that's uh, uh, one of those steps for us into the unknown um, and uh, and try something new for us that, that I think hopefully can help some others. But, yeah, we're Southern Roots Ranch, and then we're there on Instagram and on Facebook, so you can follow us. If you have questions on what we're doing, how we're doing, um, to help your operation diversify or maybe add some value to some lower-end products like call cows or call bulls. Uh, we do some, you know, I, you know, I've talked about that a couple of times mm-hmm. um, yep. that, you know, we can offer that or, or if you just want a sounding board for trying something new, feel free to reach out to me. I'm, I'm always here. Yep. Very good, man. Well, thanks again for tonight. And uh, I appreciate, I appreciate all the friendship that you've given me. Yeah, buddy. Same to you. Uh, be blessed, brother. Yep. You too, man. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.